don't know what to do. Just praise his name. 
and maybe say a prayer. Father, make me an instrument. Use me. An instrument of your peace. And that's what we're going to sing here this morning with the kiddos. Everybody likes the kids, right?
All right, revive us again. You ready? You don't look revived. Let's see if we can work on that. Here we go. We praise thee, O God. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. This time, Miss Dina Foster is going to come and sing for us. Y'all have a seat. Draw me near. 
a bit that God has already been begun working in this revival. I didn't know what who was going to be singing what today in between all this stuff, but everything is just lining right up that uh, God was leading when all this went together. He doesn't have to wait till today to do it. He can do it last week, which is when I did this. So, And uh, draw me nearer. And as the choir comes down, we're going to all stand on this next one. Just a closer walk with thee. Thank you. 
close to walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. And you may be seated. Miss Marlene, if you'll come, we're going to let you sing right now.
once looked like a mountain, just a hill from heaven's point of view. What once looked like a mountain, just a hill from heaven's point of view. We learned in our Sunday school class this morning. See, I did learn something in there today. I'm not, my job here this week is not to bring revival to you guys. Uh, I want to help get your heart prepared for the Word. And the Word is what brings revival. And uh, the Word's about to show up through Brother Nathan here. And y'all be praying for him. But I want us to take the time this morning to invite the Holy Spirit. Not that he has to be invited, but we want him to know that he's welcome in this place. Not just today, but all week long as we worship him today. I don't know if you're familiar with this song. I think we sang it last year. I don't know if you've sung it since then. It's called Holy Spirit. And I'm going to let you sit for just a little bit, but I will ask you to stand here in just a minute when we get closer to the chorus several times and sing with me. But join me as we sing. There's nothing worth more. Here we go. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. We'll do all that again. There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing compared. You're a living hope. Your presence, Lord. And I've tasted, and I've seen, and I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love. My heart becomes free And my shame is undone Your presence, Lord Won't you stand with me as we sing From here to the end, Holy Spirit 
Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, your presence, Lord. Let us become, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. And let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Holy, let me hear you sing. Father, we thank you so much for your presence here in this place with us today. I ask today that you would stir in the hearts of those who are present. When we leave this place today, that we'll be changed people, we'll be different than who we were when we came in. Filled with your spirit, revived, excited, full of the word, and ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around us. Father, bless Brother Nathan this morning as he stands before us and preaches from your heart, from your word. Use him today as an instrument. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me, if you will, to the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. It is so good to be with you. I've been looking forward to being with you over the last couple of months as we have made preparations. I appreciate so much the invitation and also the prayers that you have prayed for me. I know the Lord is at work. I believe that you are already moving into and in a state of revival. And I thank the Lord for what He has done so far in getting us all ready and to bring us here, but here we are. As Brother Paul mentioned, uh, he can't bring revival. And just to take the pressure off me this morning, I can't either. But there is one who can and I know that he can bring a great revival, and I know that he can do some great things. 
As was mentioned before, I do have relation in this church. <clears throat> if you couldn't tell already. I always enjoy asking, and I generally ask the children this, when they say, oh, you must be Brother Josh's brother. I always ask, who do you think is older? Now, I ask children that because as adults, sometimes, you know, we get embarrassed when we want to answer that question, you know, even if we're right. But I ask the children that just to see, and nine times out of ten, most of them are right. I'm the oldest one. Now, I used to be proud of that fact, but as time goes by, I'm not as proud anymore, I have to admit to you. But I will say this, to just go ahead and get things started off right this week, I think this morning we're going to talk about a younger brother. Now, not specifically mine, but I want to just talk about a younger brother. Now, we'll just leave the application wherever it may be. But I do want to share a message with you about a younger brother, a younger sibling, a, a younger son. And I want you to know something. Despite the fact that I'm the older brother, I'm the older son, I want you to know that I have found myself in this younger son's shoes before. And my friend, if you have not, or you do not recognize that you are in his shoes, or have been in his shoes, my hope and my prayer is that you find your place there today. We begin reading down in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15 and verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his field to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. And will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. May the Holy Spirit bless His Word today. I want us to notice that oftentimes critics can point out the flaws of others. And oftentimes point those flaws out as a means and a way of putting down someone and lifting themselves up. Well, I want you to know that Jesus had no shortage of critics in his ministry. There were those that constantly pestered him. There were those that constantly tried to trip him up in his words. They asked him all kinds of tricky questions. They tried to do all manner of things. But I want you to know something, my friend. On occasion, they seemed to get some things right. 
When they brought out things about Jesus, I want you to know something. Despite the fact they had trouble getting things against him because he was righteous and holy in every way, sometimes they got some things right. And in this case, in our text of what we read, this is a place where they actually got something right. At the very beginning, if you notice, we read where the scribes and the Pharisees had come to him and they lay this accusation against him. They said, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. I want you to know something. There can be no greater characterization of Jesus Christ that I can find in the Bible than that right there. I want you to know as a result of that, the Bible says that he opened his mouth and he spake this parable unto them. He told the story of a lost sheep that had gone astray that the shepherd went out and recovered and brought home to the fold. He retold the story of the lady who had lost a coin and she searched her entire house until she found it and she was rejoicing and called her neighbors and friends over to rejoice with her over the, over finding that which she had lost. But then finally he's told this story. Now I want you to know something, my friend. I don't know that we've got many sheep herders here today. I know that we've got quite a few folk that have lost money before. But I do know this. I know that all of us have got family. And Jesus touches at the heart of the message when he talks about the relationship of a father and his son. And I want you to know something. What we see here is something wonderful and something precious. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of how to go from rebellion back into revival. And my friend, I want you to know something. If you are going to have revival, this is going to be the way that it goes. I want us to notice, first of all, this morning, what is what is involved when a person rebels? What takes place? Because I want you to know each and every one of us in many ways is unique. We are different, uh, despite the fact that we may look like other people or we may act like other people that we may be related to. Okay, I know. I want you to know something. There are things that are unique about us. However, all of us generally have one thing in common. We all have a sin nature. And as a result of that sin nature, we all generally follow the same path of rebellion against God. I want us to notice here in this state of rebellion, or in this case of rebellion, that it starts with a sense of willfulness. The younger son comes to the father, and he says, Father... Give unto me the portion of the goods that are going to come to me. In other words, if you want to just be very frank about it, very plain, he said, Daddy, let's pretend like you're dead. Now, that's pretty harsh. That's tough. I mean, just imagine. And I know good and well some of you parents in out there this morning, you're thinking back and you're saying, Man, I remember when my teenager come to me. Woo, and they didn't say that, but they might as well had. I want you to know something. That had to be a hard thing for that daddy to hear. He said, give me the portions. Give me my part. Let's pretend that you're dead and let me get my inheritance. I want what's mine. In other words, he was saying, Daddy, I don't want to be under your roof anymore. I don't want to be under your thumb anymore. I don't want to be under your control anymore. I want to take control of my life. And guess what? I want you to fund it. I don't know about you, but my daddy wouldn't have been that good to me. He would have given me a dime. So, son, you want it? Go. Get out. You ain't going to die. But the daddy gave. The daddy gave. He knew that it would be no point. He knew there would be uh, no reason for him to try to, 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 to beg the son. He had his mind made up. 
And friend, I want you to know something. Each and every person that is straight from the Lord has done it with a willful mind. Oftentimes people say, well, wait a minute, I I didn't have any other choice in the matter. But I want you to know something. The Bible uh, tells us that we are without excuse before God. Each and every one of us make that volitional choice and decide to go away. But I want you to know something, my friend. It didn't stop there. When we pick up and we walk away, I want you to know something. It leads down a path. Now, he left the house. His pockets were bursting at the seams. He had all the money he thought in the world. But boy, I tell you what, it didn't last very long. Man, he got to spending, and I want you to know something. He spent, and he spent, and he spent. As a matter of fact, what we read here, uh, there in Luke 15, it says in verse 13, Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And then notice this phrase, And he began to be in want. In other words, he got hungry. He got hungry. He, he began starving. Everything that he had was gone. He had wasted it all. Sin is a wasteful endeavor. I want you to know it's very pricey. There's an old song that some of the words go like this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay. And cost you more than you want to pay. I remember one time when I was in seminary school and the teacher was teaching and they come to that portion of scripture where Jesus talked about how that the, 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 the master, the Lord comes and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I'll never forget this, this man that had been a, a faithful servant of the Lord had been in the, de- in the, in the ministry for decades, had pastored churches for, for years and preached numerous revivals. He just stopped at that phrase. And he looked at us and he said, boys, I want to tell you something. As I examine my life, I look back and I see a lot of wasted years. I see a lot of wasted time. I don't know what all that I am not going to receive because of wasted years living in sin. I want you to know something, my friend. Sin will lead to wastefulness. It will cause you to waste away. But then finally, I want you to know it settles into a state of weariness. In down in verse 15, we find that he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him to feed his, uh, into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. I want you to know, there is always blessings if you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. There are always blessings if you remain in fellowship with your God. But when you go astray, when you willfully decide to leave, and you waste everything that you've got, I want you to know that there will not be anyone there to help you except for those in the world. And those in the world will not help you as good as God's people will help you. Oh, my friend, he joined himself to a citizen of that country. The idea behind that is that he basically begged for a job. He'd take anything he could get because he was so hungry. Oh, he was so desperate. He went to the very resources, my friend, that he had, and those resources just weren't that great. Now, I want to tell you something. I have had a couple of people already tell me, said, Preacher, we're going to do our best to fatten you up this week. And I want to tell you something. I am looking forward to you trying, Okay. <laughs> I've heard that a lot over the years, but I tell you what, I, I enjoy you. Try, try, I enjoy it. It's always good for me. Friend, I want to tell you something I couldn't imagine. Having to get on my knees and eat there along with the hogs 
I can imagine carrying that slop bucket out there and having to dig through it with my hands and get a portion out for myself. What a sad state he was in. But friend, I want you to know something. He didn't stay there. He didn't stay there. I want you to notice that this wonderful story has a turning point, And that turning point is very plain. It's very abrupt. And it starts like this. In verse 17, it says, And he, when he came to himself. I want you to know that there is a possibility of a realization. In other words, I want you to know that there is a possibility where a person will one day wake up and realize where they're at. Now, I've had people ask me, Preacher, how long does this take? Well, I, I really don't know. How, 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 how far away do they need to get to, uh, from God in order to be in this state? I, I'll be honest with you, I really don't know. I know that rebellion is not measured in miles, it's measured in morals. I know that it's not measured in the fact of going far away. You don't need to go to Vegas to run away from God. You don't need to go to New Orleans to run away from God. My friend, I want you to know running from God is not based on any of that. It's based on our morality, on us running from God, and the activities and things that we do. But there he was. He was in that place, and he came to himself. I want you to know... The amount of time it takes from rebelling against God to coming to yourself is not necessarily based on the amount of phone calls that are made to that person. It's not, about, it's not based on the amount of sermons they may have heard. It's not based on the amount of persuasion or anything else. It is based on the mercy of God. God was merciful to him all the way through, and God is merciful to us. Oh, friend, I want you to know He's merciful to us. There is a possibility to realize where you're at. To say, hey, wait a minute, what have I done with my life? Thank God for those moments when we wake up. Thank God for those moments when we say, where am I at? My question to you this morning is, do you know where you're at? Have you found that realization? Do you know where you are in relation to the Lord? Each and every one of us, whether we like to recognize it or not, or realize it or not, have a relationship with God. He is our father. He is either our father on the one hand, or he is our enemy on the other hand. And if you're a child of God, he is your father. But my friend, if you are not, then he is your enemy. Notice that he recalled his father's goodness. When he began to think back to what he had, he thought not about his father's discipline. He didn't think about uh, the words and wisdom of his father, but he thought about how good it was. I like this. He said, how many hired servants of my father's house have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I want you to know it is not the fear of God that brings us back. The fear of God keeps us at home. The fear of God keeps us where we're at. What brings us back is not the impending judgment, although it can be. But what draws us back to God is His goodness. The book of Romans tells us that it is His goodness that leads to repentance. Oh, and that's what he recalled. He said, you know, I remember how wonderful it was. But finally he resolved to do something about it. He made up his mind. He said, I'm going to do something about it. Too often, I'm afraid in our society, we sit around with our problems. We sit around in our pride and we say, you know what, I, I, I tell you what, it's just a mess. Well, my friend, I want to tell you something. You've got to get up and do something about that mess. 
And you gotta to go to the resource to be able to make a difference in that mess. First of all, he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and write a script. I'm gonna come up with something to say. And we've all been in that state. We've all been in that place where we've had to, we've had to go take care of some business. We've had to go talk to the Lord about the way we were living there. We had to go get something right with a brother or sister in Christ. Or we had to go make some amends in our family or at the job place or somewhere. And he began writing that script and we do the same thing. Well, I want you to know something, my friend. He started where he ought to have started. He started with confession. He said, when I get to the house, I'm going to say, Daddy, I sinned. Daddy, I was wrong. Daddy, I fell short of what you wanted. But I not only sinned against you, but I sinned against heaven too. My friend, he recognized that he was responsible not just to his daddy on earth, but he was responsible to his God in heaven. But he also had to admit his state. He said, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. I don't, I don't deserve it anymore. Friend, we don't deserve the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He admitted his state and he said, in his mind as he was making preparations, he said, you know what? I'm going to let daddy decide what I need to do. He said, make me as one of thy hired servants. Now, if one of our children comes to us and they say, make me something, generally it's make me a sandwich, right? We've all heard that one. Make me some chocolate meal, you know. And ladies, I don't know if it's this way in your home, but they go to the mama so much more often than they go to dad, don't they? And it's always make me something. And generally we try to encourage our children to say, look, can you say please? I mean, come on here now, you know, we didn't, we didn't have y'all so that we could be your servant. We had y'all so that y'all could serve us, get us stuff. That's, that's what I'm talking about. But notice when he said make, oftentimes we think of that as a forceful thing, but I want you to know that at this point he was willing to submit himself to the Father. He said, Daddy, you have your way. I don't know what my place is anymore. I don't know if I can have my seat at the table any longer. I don't know if I've got any inheritance left. I don't know if you've already turned my bedroom over to somebody else. I don't know where I belong. But Daddy, find me a place. I'll take anything I can get to get back where I need to be. My friend, when you're ready to get back on the road to getting back right with God, I want to tell you something. You'll do anything. You'll do anything. But then I want you to notice also, he got on that road and he got to heading back. He got to heading back. He got up and he did something. We see that repentance has got to take place. You cannot sit around. You cannot just say, well, this is where I'm at and this is where i got to stay. you got to do something different. He got out and did something. In verse 20 it says, he arose and came to his father. It involves movement. You gotta move. I want you to know something. We must be willing to leave our ways of sin and turn to the Savior. It requires communication. Down in verse 21, he said, Daddy, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I've sinned and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. I want you to know something. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You have got to be willing to voice it. That's what God is interested in. 
But I want you to notice finally, we see the promise of restoration. Now I skipped over a little portion there in verse 20, and I think this is so important. He arose, came to his father, but when he was a great way off, I want you to know something. He was a long ways down the road. Daddy had been looking and longing for him to return. And he looked down there and he saw him a way off. And he didn't wait. He didn't just sit there and say, well, let me see what that boy's going to do. My daddy would have. Amen. Well, if your daddy's what I have, well, you better show it. No. He got up and he ran. And he fell on him and kissed him. Oh, I love this verse. I wish I could quote it. Isaiah 65 and verse 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Oh, what a blessing that is. God wants to receive you. You say, I just don't know if God can accept me. I don't know if God will receive me. I don't know if God will have me. My friend, I want you to know that God wants you today. Come home. Come back where you belong. Oh, what a wonderful reunion it was. We see Daddy didn't even respond. The boy didn't even get back to the down to the par to find me a place. God, God, I want you to know something. There are times we think, you know, if I go to the Lord and I tell Him if I stop doing this and I start doing this and everything, God isn't interested in our deals. He's interested in getting us where we belong. Daddy wasn't interested in Him being a servant. He said, we're going to get you back as a son. We're going to get you back where you belong. Oh, what a wonderful day. But I want you to notice his attitude in all this. We see the Father was willing and ready to receive. And I want you to know, this very morning, there is a God in heaven who is willing and ready to receive. Those Pharisees. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Jesus said, There's a Father that receiveth sinners and eats with them also. My friend, if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that behold, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Be saved today. Be saved today. If you're a child of God and you find yourself in the place of that younger son, that prodigal as we describe him, I want you to know that it's not too late to come home. It's not too late to come home. God is willing and ready to receive you. Make it right today. You want a revival? Revival breaks out on earth when there is rejoicing in heaven. I like this verse, way back up in Luke chapter 15. In verse 10, it says, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Revival happens when we come home. When we get where we need to be. When we finally give in, we realize our plight, we realize where we are, and we return back to the Father. Are you ready to return? In a moment, I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then we'll have a hymn of invitation. And at this time, I want you to know, this is the most important part of our service. 
It's a time when we have heard what God wants us to do. And it's our chance to do it. It's our chance to take what God has spoken to our heart and to apply it to make a difference. If you're here today and you have never been saved and you have some question about salvation, the pastor is going to be standing here and he will be glad to share with you what the Bible says about being saved. If you're here today and you're a child of God, you're not right with the Lord, you're not where you need to be, I want you to know the altars are open. You can come home today. And that's how revival is started. We're going to stand. Let's all bow our heads in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your many blessings. We thank You for allowing us to gather here today and to worship You. Lord, to read a portion of Your Word. And Father God, I pray right now that You take Your Word Touch our hearts. Impress upon each and every one, Lord, the mystery of your will today. For those that need to be saved, I pray for their salvation. For those that need to make other decisions, I pray that they would do so today. We ask it all in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As your pastor stands before you, whatever your need be, you come.
Can you hear me now? Okay. And uh, she's been coming to Awana, and last Wednesday, night before last, uh, she went to Miss Jan and told Miss Jan, I need to be saved. And uh, Miss Jan had a talk with her, and she had a talk with Jesus. And uh, she asked the Lord to save her. I called her in like this past Wednesday and talked to her about her salvation. And she is, she is firm in her, in her assurance with Jesus and said, I know Jesus saved me. I asked him to save me. He come in and saved my soul. We explained what 